When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, as always, joined by Alex Barth of 98.5 and Atlas in the background. He wants Odell Beckham Jr. on the Patriots. Alex has been tracking airplanes, helicopters, letting (laughs) me know uh, where Norwood Airport's uh, entire flight log has been for the last couple of hours. Of course, Odell Beckham Jr. now officially a free agent. He has cleared waivers. Nobody claimed Beckham on the waiver order. So he is a free agent, can choose whatever team he wants to go to, Alex. And I I reported uh, about an hour ago or so that I've heard three teams that have been connected to Odell the most. That is the Packers, the Saints, and the Patriots. Now, a couple of people have also touched on the Seahawks as potential uh, suitors for Odell Beckham Jr. I haven't necessarily heard that. Some Dark Horse Raiders conversations. But those seem like the five teams, if you want to expand on my report, that are really in the mix here for Odell. Yeah, I mean, that's all logical, right? That I, I don't, Do the Saints even – I know he can make the veteran minimum, but do the Saints even have that money? I'm not entirely sure what their cap their situation ca- is. Yeah, their cap situation is tight. They don't have a quarterback. But I was told that the two most important things to Odell are playoff contention – and offensive innovation and, and coaching, right? And I think a lot of people, when they hear good coaching, when I tweeted out good coaching, they responded, oh, the Packers don't have a good coach. You know, LaFleur kicks field goals in the NFC Championship well, game. LaFleur another- does suck. Okay, but LaFleur sucks from the standpoint of game management, situational decision-making, right. things like that. When I say good coaching, I mean an a guy that's a bright offensive mind that's going to use the player to the best of his ability, not anything to do with, did he kick a field goal, you know, down three or whatever it was in the NFC championship game. He wants a coach that's going to get him the ball. Correct. That's what it comes down to. And yeah. with Aaron Rodgers there, the way they run that offense, he's going to get the ball in green Bay. I totally buy green Bay. I, I said this, remember in the summer when we were talking about potential landing spots for Stefan Gilmore in a trade, if you're the Packers, you don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers next year. I mean, this might be the last year of your window. This might be it. You need to go all out. You need to think about the short term. So if I'm the Packers, I'm all in on Odell Beckham. That is the guy. Uh, we'll see if it works out that way. I think Seattle makes a ton of sense too, especially now that Russell Wilson's coming back. To me, it's those two in the Patriots are the three contenders. So that that that's where I'm at with it. Um I love to see him come to New England. I I think the Patriots would be interested from everything I've heard and just 
you know, some 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 personal educated guesses, connecting the dots. Like I, I say this all the time. When you do anything as long as Bill Belichick's been the head coach of the Patriots, as unpredictable as we like to think he is, patterns are going to develop. And they not every time, but they have made this move in the past, comparable moves yeah. in the past when they're there. Whether it and whether or not they worked out, it's it it varies. Whether it was Antonio Brown, obviously, in 2019. I would call trading for Keep to leave a comparable move to this one. It's yeah. not a perfect comparison, but it's in the ballpark. So again, they've made they they've made this move in the past, and I think they would make it again. Uh, it's just a matter of does Beckham want to come to New England? Does he see New England as the best situation? I don't. It, maybe. I think there's certainly a case to be made for it. We don't know enough about what he's thinking to definitively say yes or no. I think playing for Bill and playing for Josh McDaniels is certainly an opportunity, right? If he wants to get his value up to hit offseason in the spring and max out on a contract, uh, I think playing in New England would help him do that. I think Mac Jones is a quarterback that with his accuracy that is going to maximize Beckham's best skill sets. Now, yeah. is he going to do that more so than Aaron Rodgers? Uh, it would be really hard to say that. But he's not a bad quarterback uh, for Beckham to play with. I think in some regards, he's an upgrade over Baker Mayfield. When you talk specifically about how his play style relates to Beckham's play style, I think he might be an upgrade over Baker Mayfield in that sense. So there's an argument to be made there. I, I don't think the Patriots are out of it, but... I also don't know enough about what Beckham truly wants. We know the reports, but what's truly in his head. I don't want to out your source, Evan, and, and no offense, but I highly doubt you're directly texting Odell Beckham. You're right. I, I don't. Because if, 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 if you were, I think we would know by now if he was coming to the Patriots or not. Yeah. Uh, but it, I'm just joking around. But anyway, I, I think um, I, there's a case to be made. There's a strong yeah. case to be made. We, we, we should, this isn't something where it's a fantasy and, and I'm saying, you know, you need to let it go. No, this is worth keeping our eyes on. This feels real. Yeah. So I went back and watched some of Odell's tape from this year, just in case, right? I always prep right. just in case the move happens. I'm not saying that I am so sure it's going to happen that I went back and watched his tape, but I, I think there's at least a little bit of a chance. So I went back and watched it today and look, he's not prime early career Giants Odell Beckham Jr. That was an explosive 80 yards to the house on every single play. He's not quite that player, but he's still really, really good. And the one thing that I definitely saw on his Cleveland tape is why he grew frustrated with Baker Mayfield and his inability to get him the football, especially I think the beginning of the end for the Baker Mayfield OBJ relationship was the game against Minnesota in week four of this season. Beckham was open on the tape all game long for four quarters. And there were a couple of instances on downfield throws where Baker just couldn't get in the ball or the ball was off target and incomplete. There was a couple of times where Baker didn't throw him the football and held the ball and, and it didn't go his direction, but Odell could have had, 100 plus yards and a couple of touchdowns in that game quite easily and, and just didn't get the football. And it felt like there were a couple of instances in other games where he didn't have those opportunities and he wasn't getting the ball where he needed it. Now, Max seems like the type of guy that when you watch some of the ways that they use the receivers, not necessarily here in New England, although I think Odell fits what they do in New England really, really well. I mean, but he fits anything. He's that, he's that good. 
Right. Going back to Alabama, though, for a second, and just thinking of how they used Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith in that offense and some of the, you know, uh, the the skinny posts and the slant routes and the over the middle type of things and the one on ones on the outside and the way that Beckham can go ahead and win both inside and outside. It does feel like on top of that, maybe he does have another gear after the catch that he just wasn't able to really show off in Cleveland because of the way that they were using him. If Mac hits him in stride on a, on a quick uh, three or five step slant or something like that over the middle, and he's got the angle on the deep safety. I mean, those are the types of plays that Odell used to make, right? He used to run right, right by everybody on those types of throws. And Mac is the type of quarterback that can lead him in stride and put it right on the numbers and allow him to run with the football after the catch. So from everybody, uh, Tom Curran's reported on this today. Mike Giardi's reported on this today that ever that there are people in the building in Fox, that believe that Odell might not be prime peak Odell, not a superhero anymore, but he's still really, really good. And he'd be a fantastic fit in what Josh McDaniels runs and give the Patriots something that they don't necessarily have. And that is somebody that is a true game breaker, a, a number one, a we got to put our number one guy on this guy, or we got to double this guy. And I think the most telling thing, going back to this Panthers game a little bit, when Stephon Gilmore came on the field, the Panthers put him on Jacoby Myers. And it's yeah. no offense to Jacoby Myers, but if the guy that the other teams are identifying as your number one receiver is a player on Jacoby Myers' level, then that I think is a very telling indication of where your wide receiver and core is relative to the rest of the league and how the league views you from a wide receiver perspective. So that's also another reason why I I think if the Patriots do go out and get uh, Odell, they will uh, use him a lot more in the slot than maybe what he's been used. He's been used a little bit inside like 20% of the time. I think that slot number will increase quite a bit because the Patriots offense runs through that Z receiver, right? That Edelman role that now Myers role. And, and although a lot of people I think are going to anticipate him playing a ton on the outside, I, I think that he's actually going to play a lot inside if he signs with the Patriots. And I think he'll like that. I just think, you know, to backtrack a little bit, you really hit it on the head. And, you know, when I said in some ways, Mac Jones is a better fit for him than Baker. Yeah. When you're talking about the run after catch ability, I always thought that that was the most underrated part of his game. And it was almost criminally underrated, underrated where yeah. he obviously made the catch against the Cowboys. And that was his defining, probably still is his defining moment. But, you know, people talked about him as this deep threat, spectacular catch wide receiver. And it's not to say he can't do that. He absolutely can. But. What always, you know, when we talk about elite Odell, New York Giants Odell, what really made him elite was the run after the catch ability. It, yeah. it was, you know, yeah, he could go up and fight for the ball and win 50-50 balls and, the you know, the catch and all that. But there weren't really any other receivers in the league who could make those catches and could make plays with the ball in their hands the way right. Odell could. And. He was, to, a, he was a punt returner, right? I mean, he was right, literally exactly. a punt he was like returner. an elite punt returner. Yeah. So right. the way to maxim like the way to maximize the yards after the catch receiver is an accurate quarterback, a pinpoint quarterback who can put him in stride, lead him away from defenders, things like that. And if there's one thing about Mac, what have we praised about Mac since since before the draft? His accuracy. Right. So he is again, you know, when so when you look at it in that bubble, yeah, he's a fit. Odell's a fit for the Patriots. Now, how does that compare to Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, 
I'm not going to sit here and tell you Mac's a better quarterback to play with than Aaron Rodgers. I'd be lying. Right. But it at least puts them in the ballpark. It at least puts them in the conversation. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll keep watching helicopters and, and small planes, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, so I think your point about how Odell has never – obviously he's got that explosive ability to go deep and, and take the top off if you want to use him in that vein. But just reading off now his average depth of target with the Giants from like 14 to 16 here, 17, yeah. it was – 12.3, 12 12.1, 11.4, 13.0, 12.5. So right now, uh, the leader in the NFL in average yards per target, or A dot, if you will, is Emmanuel Sanders at almost 19 yards per target in the air. So that's average, Odell. Being at around 12 is around league average in terms of A dot. So this was a guy that took short slants, drag routes, underneath crossers, in cuts, all uh, crossing routes over the intermediate part. Screens of the field, even. Screens and made explosive plays all over the place. That that was peak Odell. Is he that guy anymore after the catch? Uh, the statistics say no, right? The statistics say he's not the same explosive dude. But I think one of the concerns that he had um, with how he was being used in Cleveland was they were not really scheming him into bubbles, right? They exactly. weren't really scheming him into those pockets of space. So I think that that will be the difference for him here. And the one last thing I want to say about this, and then we're going to... Well, just to, clar- to clarify what you just said. So, the because this is how I feel. Yeah. Those, those yards after the catch numbers are down because of his situation, not necessarily him as a player. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's. I feel like that's definitely the case. You know, early on in this in his career, here was his yards after catch per reception: five point three, six point two, five point two. This year in Cleveland, he's at three point two. He was at right. one point nine in two thousand twenty. Uh, that's just not. Run. That's just not using the player up to. You know, that's not using a player to the best of his ability. That's right. It's, it's a way. It's like I don't blame him for being frustrated in that. I don't. Yeah, they, you know, they weren't letting him be the best player he could be. And I know that sounds cheesy, but you want to, you know, you get the feeling he wants to play for coach who's going to maximize his skill set. We heard him talk about it on the show last year with Cam Newton. Remember where he said the thing about the Patriots, they are going to put you in a spot to succeed. That to me is the best thing the Patriots have going for them right now is Bill Belichick better than Ed, like one of the things that makes Bill the GOAT, one of the biggest things that makes Bill the best coach in history is he will find a player who other teams have overlooked and identify one or two traits that that player excels at and just put that player in a position to use those one or two traits, right? It's yeah. we're going to use this guy. We're going to have this guy do what he does best. We're going to cover up the warts in his game. Nobody is better at that than Bill Belichick. And that to me seems like what Odell Beckham wants more than anything else right now as a coach who's going to let him play the way he wants to play and let him, you know, use what he's best at. And that might be his yards after the catch ability right now. They weren't letting him use that in Cleveland. If he comes here, they're going to use him as a run after the catch receiver. They're going to use him in that way. And I think, you know, that's what he's looking for. If you want to talk about, well, why would Odell Beckham sign with the Patriots? That's it right there. That's that's the crux of the point. That is what you circle, you highlight it, whatever you want. If he comes here, that's why. Yeah, I I agree. And 
when you watch watch that special with Cam Newton and you sort of look at some of the other players, you know, it might not have worked out the best for Cam last year, but the fact that the Patriots were willing to adapt their scheme around Cam and try to help him succeed with some of the quarterback run elements and the and the read option plays and the design QB runs on the goal line and padding his uh, rushing stats and things like that. Those are things that I think Beckham took notice in. And you also just look at some of the other guys. And one of the things that I've heard uh, from, from people that I've talked to on Beckham is that he wants to be coached hard. Like, I, I think that he looks at Ben McAdoo with the Giants, Kevin Stefanski with Cleveland over the last couple of years and says that those guys really have ne- were not pushing me to be the be- my best self. And one of the things that when, when I heard that, what stood out to me was remember in Randy Moss's Hall of Fame induction speech, he credited Belichick with kind of pushing him to be that next level, right? To be that yeah. that next kind of cerebral player. And I think that those are the types of things that Belichick gets out of guys. And lastly here, just from a role perspective, if Odell comes here, I really do think that he's going to play more Z than he's going to play X because this Patriots offense has outside of 07 and 08 and 09 with Moss, and that's probably the one exception has never really ran out of the X, right? The the X role has never really been the targets role. That's never really been the, the uh, engine or the straw that stirs the drink of the offense. The Z receiver role that's adapted from Welker, or Troy Brown, really, Deion Branch, Welker, to Edelman, to now Jacoby Myers, that is the most important role in this entire offense. I think they're going to look at it and see that he can upgrade that role and you still leave Nelson Aguilar on the outside to run the wind sprints and, and try to take the top off the defense. And you open all that space up on the crossers and the inbreakers and the yards after catch plays and the scheme, a uh, little uh, design type of plays that they use with the Z. And that's for Beckham. Right. Because I think if you put him on the outside in the X, I think that's a, that's almost wasting him in a lot of ways. So. I would just, and I think they're going to move him around if they get him, but I would just push back on that because you say outside of seven, eight, nine, they, you know, they haven't done it. Well, they haven't had a receiver like this outside of seven, eight, and nine, right? Yeah. Those years are honestly, again, we're going to go back to historical context. Those years are the best context we have to evaluate what right. this it's, could look it's, like. It's that, and, and, then, and it's Brandon Cooks, who is mostly so next. Yeah, that was the other one I was going right. to say, and they didn't have Edelman that year. Yeah. They obviously don't have Edelman this year or an Edelman guy. I know Myers is supposed to be in that role, but he's not there yet. Yeah. And Brandon Cooks was targeted 114 times that yeah. season. Caught a thousand. Uh, it caught 65 passes for a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. So those are the two best receivers they've had under Belichick in terms of non-pure slot guys are Moss and Cooks. Beckham's probably somewhere in between there. He's obviously not Moss, but he's better than Cooks. I think we need, like, if they get Beckham, we need to go back and look at that 2017 offense because I think that is, and remember, that was a year too. Rob Gronkowski went off that year. That was one of Gronk's best seasons, 65 catches, 1,000 yards. Yeah. So I think, you know, obviously Hunter Henry's not Gronk, but I think that 2017 team personnel-wise is as close as possible to what this is going to look like if they get Beckham. I think that's the context. And I think you look at Beckham in terms of what Cooks did because Cooks is another guy, elite, like great downfield threat. But remember, they used him after the catch a good amount. Let me see if I have his 
yeah, so yards they, after the they, catch here. I don't. What they but... did a lot with Cooks was even though he played in the X, he was playing from a condensed split, so he was closer right. in tied to the formation. It gave him more field to work with. So he was running a lot of deep overs. He was running a lot of corner routes. He was running a lot of uh, blaze outs where he's going to fake the inside and then break on the out. Things that Beckham could certainly do. I think that Beckham's a little bit quicker than Cooks was, but maybe not as as fast in a straight line as Brandon Cooks. So uh, I mean, no uh, a little bit different. Uh, there but uh, yeah I, I think it's interesting though because I, I feel like you know it, to me they need to put Beckham in the high volume role right if he comes here he should be the high volume guy he should but not I'm, be- I'm telling I'm telling you right now based on those numbers I'm just pulling them up again here I closed them that in in the like in historical context when their offense is built that way yeah 114 targets for Brandon Cooks in 2017 you can't tell me that's not a high volume role. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, I think that's yeah, but I think they, they tweaked the X role because Nelson Aguilar is not playing the same X role that Brandon Cooks was. No, I agree with you, but I'm them, right? I'm saying instead of making Odell Beckham the Z in the current offense, yeah, I you go back point. and it's tough to do this midseason, I guess, but and maybe have, there, there's a there's a happy medium here, but you go back towards what you did in 2017 and you have Odell Beckham in that modified X that Brandon Cooks ran. And sure. that's also to go back to what you were talking about with Alabama, Devontae Smith, right? Uh, right. When Mac was with those guys, those guys, they, they were condensed a good amount in Alabama too. So you could marry some of that yeah. in, but I, I, I would call it, and maybe we're splitting hair, hairs here. No, no, I would I, call it more of a modified X than a true Z. Yeah. So the last thing I want to say about Beckham, then I think we can move on Two things uh, that I both just wanted to bunk right off the bat. First of all, I have, zero concerns whatsoever about his attitude in the locker room. None, none whatsoever, because I think that Beckham in a lot of ways, I think is, is very misunderstood. Uh, He is a guy that is a diva superstar wide receiver. All of them want the football from Devonte Adams to Odell Beckham jr. To Tyree kill. You start playing games with Tyree kill and he gets on a month or two uh, span where he's averaging four targets per game. And let's see how happy he is about it, right? I mean, all these guys are sort of the same way. And I just don't think the Patriots are going to let it get to that point because I I really do feel like they will feature him and they will use him a ton. And I think that they have enough of a leadership core uh, that they will – not allow Odell Beckham to to sort of do what he what he did in Cleveland or with the Giants at towards the end there. The other thing is is I, I think he would be perfectly fine picking up this system. I think that they'd be able to get him to figure it out more than more than fine. Uh, I think one of the yeah. bigger things that I see with with this Patriots offense is that even though it is a little bit difficult for some guys, for guys that have elite talent, it's really never that hard. Like if you're Antonio Brown, if you're Josh Gordon, if you're Brandon Cooks, if you're Moss, if you're Welker, like these guys all picked it up, up, right? They all picked it up. So I I really am not too concerned about any of that. No, and and, and in regards regards to locker room stuff, I I think they can get eight games out of him. I wouldn't sign him long-term, right? Right. Remember during the trade deadline, I said I wouldn't trade for him on that three-year deal. I stand by that, but yeah. You know, when he's trying to raise his value in free agency, get his reputation back, uh, can can he buy in for eight games plus the playoffs? Yeah, I think they can get that out of him. And then you part ways with him in the spring. You go one way, he goes the other. Let him go sign yeah. a big money deal wherever at 30 years old. But I'll take him for eight games. 
I think he could be good for eight games. I do. So that's, yeah, that, I, I'm not too worried about it either. I think they'll have him under control. Yeah. I, I think that's a good way of putting it. I don't, I wouldn't sign him to a five-year extension. Right. But I wouldn't even sign him beyond this year. I, just, I think they games. might have to from a money standpoint that, you know, to make the cap hits work. Well, then you use might, that. Uh, what is it? Um, avoid year. Avoid year. Yeah. 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 I guess you could technically do avoid year or avoided structure uh, in order to get, the cap hits spread out because next year and we're getting away ahead of ourselves because he hasn't even agreed to sign here yet. Uh, but we could also have a conversation. We're not doing another show until Tuesday though. So this way it's, if he does sign, we have it all right. taken care of. Uh, we, we, you could also have a conversation about possibly moving on from Nelson Aguilar at the end of the year. Right. If, if Beckham right. comes here, you could do that either way, but yeah. If Beckham comes here and he's Beckham, right, then you might need, be able to get out of Nelson Aguilar's second year, and that would save you some money there too if you have Beckham sign for multiple seasons to spread out the caps and stuff like that. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, uh, let, let's talk about this Panthers-Patriots game, though, and actually discuss some guys that are actually on the Patriots roster and not players that we're hoping to be on the Patriots roster here in a couple of days. Uh, I want to start with the defense. I asked uh, Steve Belichick today, Alex, I'm sure you heard it. He completely shut me down when I asked him uh, about the zone uh, coverage game plans that they've been deploying. But uh, whether Steve agrees with me or not, they played a lot of zone coverage again against Carolina. I don't know if this is going to be the permanent thing for them moving forward forever, right? This definitely could be uh, something that they do game plan, scheme, wrinkle, whatever you want to talk about moving forward. Uh, but again, they come out against Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers, and they're basically 70 plus percent zone. And uh, they were effective in it and it worked. Now there are some things that I saw late in that game that might concern you if they stick with this formula of playing a lot of cover three and cover two, especially on first and second down, but it worked again, Alex. And it seems like this group is starting to come together again. Game plan defense. I, I, I don't remember who it was after the game. It might've been JC Jackson. Somebody was asked about, you know, playing his own defense when they're traditionally a man team. And the answer was just doing what we got to do to win. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? I was getting after, I forget what coach, but some one of these math nerd coaches last week about how he, you know, they don't adjust. They don't adjust. They do their right. thing and they're like, they're like uh, offensive coordinator Marcus Gilday from Blue Mountain State, if anybody gets that <laughs> reference. My system will work. It's the system. You can put anybody in it. The system, the system, the system. Right. At a certain, it's, it's, it's Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. At a certain point, you're going to run into somebody who can stop your system. And being able to kind of adjust and maybe do things you're not super comfortable with, like that's that's what separates great teams from good teams is the teams that can be multidimensional. So seeing them have this success in zone, I think is huge. I think it tells you what they're doing is sustainable, right? Everybody talked about, well, it's the Jets. And then people tried to like deride the Chargers offense for some yeah. reason. 
which isn't fair. And as for the Panthers, yeah, Sam Darnold sucks. It's like beating up a little kid. But they have good receivers who they covered. They have Christian McCaffrey, who's excellent, who they limited. So it's it's real. It's sustainable what they're doing. It's very encouraging to see. Yeah. So I think watching back the tape, I was expecting to see a lot of pressure on the quarterback and Sam Dartle missing reads down the field. But I was actually pleasantly surprised. The coverage was great all day. I mean, they, well, they played great coverage for four quarters. I mean, there was pressure on the quarterback and him missing reads too, but yes. Yeah, I, well, th- there was pressure on the quarterback for sure. Uh, the, pro- the point being is that in these zones, they've done a really, really good job of staying on their assignments, staying on their match calls, not busting these zone coverages. It's, it's so easy in zone to get one guy out of place and bust the coverage and have a huge play happen, right? I mean, that's the – as much as in man, you can break down as well. The, the concern about playing zone is everybody being on a string back there, right, and having the whole right. thing connect all the time. And the Patriots have done a really nice job of doing that. And they have some really versatile pieces, especially to play the low uh, middle hook zones in cover three. Guys like Miles Bryant, uh, Kyle Duggar had a few really good plays in low zone coverage against crossers and stuff like that from the backside. Just having these players that can be versatile and play these multiple roles and give you some athleticism and some flexibility in those shallow zones has really gone a long way for them. And I I was extremely impressed because as bad as Sam Darnold is, and he's bad, don't get me wrong, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore are good wide receivers, right? Those guys guys can play. And the Patriots went out there and and they hung tough with those players for four quarters and really made it very, very difficult. There were not a lot of open, huge open lanes. There were not a lot of huge open windows down the field to throw the football. And you see this strategy paying off, I would say, uh, mostly in the fact that the Patriots just aren't giving up any big plays in the passing game, right. right? You know, everything that's a big play is like what we saw with uh, Chuba Hubbard and and Christian McCaffrey underneath the defense and then running the ball, right? You know, after the catch, I mean. Uh, you know, that was where some of the big plays happened. And I think looking at forward and, and wondering if this is sustainable, I think it's 110% sustainable to take away the big plays, right? I, I think they can play this zone coverage on the back end. And we'll talk about the pass rush in a second, especially if they get this type of pass rush and they can take away big plays. The one concern that you have, especially on first and second down is late in that game, Darnold finally started to check the ball down a little bit against the zones and they got Hubbard free and they got McCaffrey free on Tavai and Hightower. So those are the two that, that that's the matchup that you're a little bit concerned about if they stay in zone especially on first and second down is opponents leaking that running back out of the backfield into high tower zone or Bentley zone or whatever the case may be. And then having them shred you like that. But is that on the flip side, it's definitely a less sustainable offense than hitting big plays down the field is right. Like it's definitely less sustainable to get 30 yards after the catch every single time your running back touches the ball. So the Patriots can rally better the ball and tackle better in space. Then I I think that there are uh, opportunities to have this zone coverage work out for them. And we're going to, like I said, I want to talk about the the pass rush was phenomenal. And and that's definitely a big part of being able to play zone. Right. Just, just real quick on the zone though. I, you know, I I think that's where complimentary football comes in because the best way to defeat those checkdowns is, you know, take teams out of situations where, where, where they're worth it. 
and we we've seen it a little bit, right? There was that drive late in the Chargers game. I think they ended up coming away with the field goal, but yeah, they moved the ball like 70 yards, but they took like eight minutes off the clock and came away with three points in a two-score right. game. So right. that, you know, is is where all right, you give them the check down. Uh there was another example that that drive late in the game, it ultimately ended with an interception, but it was the same idea where even if the Panthers had scored, they just they took too much time off the clock to realistically get back in the game. So yeah, as long as the offense can keep putting points on the board and as long as the offense keeps getting better, it's complimentary football. This is what this, this is a, the, this is a core. It may be the core of what Bill Belichick believes in when it comes to game management. If you can get those leads, if you can play from ahead, those checkdowns are harder to justify for the offense and less willing to take them. So that, that to me is kind of how that plays out. It's as long as the offense continues to go punch for punch, which they've done here the last couple of weeks, that kind of defense is okay to play. And it's also very difficult for a quarterback. And I had put some of the quarterbacks that they might potentially go up against in this category, like a Justin Herbert, like a Josh Allen. It's difficult for those guys to take the check down every single time. Right. right? It gets frustrating. It's very, very, you have to be very, very patient. Against I mean, Baker Mayfield this week is a perfect right. example. Of yeah, that. he's not a very patient guy either. So uh, you have these these zone structures in the back end. They do a nice job of cycling through a three-match and cover two structures. Uh, it confuses the, the uh, quarterback a little bit, post-high, too high, uh, different looks after the snap, and you're able to spin the dial there. You're, you're able to protect some of the guys that you have back there, right? You're not asking – Jalen Mills to take DJ Moore for four quarters or Miles Bryant to take a good slot receiver for four quarters and man to man. You're able to kind of mask it a little bit more in those coverages while still matching vertical routes and certain uh, structures as well. So a really effective strategy for the Patriots in a lot of ways. A lot of it though feeds into the pass rush, right? Like the pass rush right. was so good against Carolina who was, completely overwhelmed by Matt Judon and Barmore and the guys, even Hightower had a pretty decent game in the pass rush too. Dedrick Wise had a couple hurries. So I, I, I you're not going to pressure the quarterback 50% of the time every week, like they did against Darnold last week, but that was as good of a pass rush game from the Patriots that I've seen them have in a long, long time. They only had one sack, but they were in the backfield on every single play and they hurried Darnold into a, numerous mistakes batted passes interceptions uh, the whole gamut of it it was extremely uh, impressive and if you're going to play zone and you want to commit your numbers to the coverage and keep seven in coverage then you got to be able to get home with four and the patriots have ranked sixth in the league so far this year and pressure rate in four man coverages uh, four man rushes excuse me so they're getting to the quarterback with four and, and that's definitely something that's going to help these zones as well yeah, and it's just, I mean, a lot of people talk about the loss of Gilmore, right? And I feel like they don't associate in the improvements to the pass rush. And they didn't, oh, they lost Gilmore. They didn't add any, you know, any corners. Well, they added Matthew Judon and Christian Barmore, and that's the flip side, you know? Yeah. When they had Gilmore, those years they had Gilmore, they didn't have the best pass rush. It was, it was good some years. It was never great. It was never like this. And that was the trade-off. It was, you might not get to the quarterback, but you have corners who can run with the receivers for four or five seconds and will give the pass rush time. Well, now it's the opposite. You know, you don't have a Gilmore who's going to run with the receiver for the entire play, but the quarterback also has much less time to throw yeah. because you have a better pass rush. So it's just, you know, it's a flipping philosophy and you see it happen. Sometimes you see teams do this. It, it can be brought on by coaching change. It can be, you know, just dictated based on personnel like this one is. And 
I, I don't hate it. I, you know, it's work. You have to have elite pass rushers to make it work. But Matt Judon is second in the league in sacks right now. Yeah. He's a certified defensive player of the year candidate halfway through the season. I mean, I, I'll call I'll call him an elite pass rusher. I don't have any problem with that. Where would you put him in the AFC? Is he a well, top? Right, right now, is, he's, is he's he a top three pass rusher in the AFC. I know Garrett and Watt are ahead of him. Yeah, so right I, now he's second in sacks and he's third in, in quarterback pressures overall. So it's pretty tough. Three. It's pretty tough to argue that he's not at least top five, right? I mean, I'm sure there's some guys that would be in that mix just off of reputation. You also have to factor in Aaron Donald, who's obviously a different position. Well, that's but, why I said AFC, right? So I don't know. It, it it's as terms of pure edge rushers, he he's right up there. And I think one of the most unique things about Judon to me, and when Gilmore won Defensive Player of the Year. I think that this was a lot to do with him as great as he was individually, the confidence and the leadership that he gave to the rest of the defense. Now he's not the raw, raw guy that Judon is, but you feel people on this Patriots defense feeding off of Matt Judon's energy, right? They, they just, it's, it's infectious in the locker room. It's infectious on the football field and the practice field. And this guy has completely come in here and really change the entire attitude of this defense. Uh, and I think they're playing with a lot more uh, just energy, uh, flying to the football more, uh, more on their game in terms of uh, their assignments and their matchups. And uh, you just see so much coming to fruition because uh, Matt Judon, and, and this is like an intangible thing, right? Just, just his leadership and, and, and his confidence and his bravado and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's, uh, it's really a testament to him and not to give him credit for Christian Barmore's emergence. Cause that's all Christian Barmore, uh, but Barmore has been fantastic too. And he's somebody that has really taken Misa by surprise in some ways. I, I knew he was a great pass rusher. I thought he was going to be a, a disruptive player for them on third down. The amount that he is playing as early as he's playing it, it took is taking me by surprise. I thought he was going to be, pigeonholed into that Adam Butler role, early career Adam Butler, where maybe he's 30, 35% of the playing time. He's way above that. He's good against the run. He's good against the pass as a pass rusher, has two-gapping ability. Uh, he has ability to shoot gaps in the run game. This guy is is really blossoming far more into a total package defensive lineman right before our eyes. I mean, this looks like an absolute steal uh, to get this guy in the second round. If you redrafted it right now, he's a top 20 pick. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. He's just been unbelievable, and he's only going to get better. That's the thing. I don't, you, you watch Sunday night game? This yeah, I'm going somewhere with this. You watch Sunday night game, the first half? Uh, yeah, I think – where are you going with it? So, I, I, what Jeffrey Simmons did in that game? Yeah, yeah. I don't he's know if you saw that. Too. Like, Yeah. I, that, I, I couldn't help watch Jeffrey Simmons and think, man, give, it, give, give Barmore another year or two. And I think that guy – and that was one of the best performances of Jeffrey Simmons' career. I think Barmore could be better. Yeah. But you look at specifically what Simmons did in that game, and, and it, it, I don't think it's unrealistic to expect Barmore to have that kind of impact on a semi-regular basis. Yeah, and the fact that he can play multiple techniques is really impressive too, right? He he actually got a pressure in this game as a five technique outside shade of the tackle, right? Then he can also bump inside and play anywhere between really uh, I've seen them use him from one to five, right. All right. across the entire defensive line and probably, uh, probably a couple of snaps at zero technique too, right over the center. So I'd say zero to five. 
So the fact that he can play all those different spots, he can rush the passer from all those different spots, stop the run from all those different spots. I mean, this guy has really come into his own. And now you have this combination of Judon and Barmore as kind of your primary pass rushers, if you will. And teams are going to start to adjust, right? Teams are going to start to throw more protection their way. But luckily the Patriots do have some secondary, and I don't mean defensive backs, just secondary pass rushers, right? Guys like Uche, uh, guys like Van Noy and Hightower and all that, that can go in there and also win some one-on-ones. Dietrich Wise won some one-on-ones in, in this game too. So there's a lot of guys that can definitely uh, affect this pass rush. Chase Winovich hopefully might might come back here shortly. Um, he's getting closer to a return. So uh, this pass rush has really woken up uh, over the last couple of weeks in particular, but it, it looks like a really good group, and that will definitely help out the pass coverage, obviously. All right, let's move over to the offense side of the ball. I want to talk about Mac and uh, just – his performance over the last two weeks, because I think a lot of uh, I've written that he's been slumping a little bit. Now, some of it, you do have to tip your cap to the opponents that he's playing. The Panthers and the Chargers have two of the best pass defenses in the NFL, two of the best pass rushes in the NFL as well. So that's tough. But now he's going to go up against Cleveland, who also has a very good pass defense in the pass rush. So in my mind, I thought the Charger game, although his uh, accuracy was down, his completion rate was down, he managed the game, right? And when they needed him to step up late in the game and go on a drive, he led a drive. This game, he had only 18 passes. He was a sidecar, right? He he was a, a supporting cast member. And I have no problem whatsoever um, with them because they're a game plan team through and through in all three phases. And if they decide the best way to beat this team is to run the ball 40 times and only have Mac Jones pass it 18 times, and that's what what they should do. But if he's only going to have that small of a sample, he can't turn it over twice. Right. You, you can't right. turn the ball over that. That's the only caveat. I have no problem whatsoever of them dropping him back only 20 times and only maximizing three or four plays on downfield throws. But if he's going to be a game manager, if he's going to be a sidecar, he's got to take care of the football. Yeah. This game is kind of what we thought we were going to see right when they drafted Mac Jones and talking throughout the off season about it. everybody's going to have to pick him up. Yada, yada, yada. You know, the defense, Right. Carolina to just six points on two short fields off those turnovers. That was yeah. big. Um, you know, it's two weeks in a row. He has been great. Certainly worth keeping an eye on. We, we know about the rookie wall and all of that, but like you said, it, it, it's a game plan thing. It's a game plan thing. And they've just been able to win without him. Now this week will be interesting because yeah. are they going to have running backs? Right. We don't know how, how much are they going to be able to run the ball, regardless of how much they want to. Right. How much are they going to be able to do it? So that factors in. He's facing another tough pass rush. It feels like it's the third week in a row, right? That he's facing the toughest pass rush of his career now in the Browns and Miles Garrett. So uh, a, a lot's going to be asked of him. We move on to another week. Yeah. The, the Browns right now, surprisingly, are actually 19th in DVOA against the pass. Uh, they're much better. Yeah, that's what I was just trying to find here. That's why I cut myself off. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a good week to throw the ball. It's a good yeah. week to throw the ball. They are uh, they're great you know, pass rush, but they're other than Denzel Ward. I, I I'm sure the numbers in the metrics would say that their their coverage is a little bit vulnerable. Other than Ward, you know, you don't want to go after Ward, but everybody else seems like they, they can be had a little bit. So this is actually interesting. So remember with the Cowboys, it was weird because they allowed a ton of passing yards, but they also had a ton of interceptions. Yeah. The Browns are actually the opposite. They're ninth in the league in passing yards against. 
but they're 22nd in interceptions. They've allowed the fifth most passing touchdowns. So they yeah. don't allow a lot of yards through the air, but they don't create a ton of turnovers and they are susceptible in the red zone. So that could be very interesting. Yeah. If you can block their front, which is a lot easier said than done, then right. I think you can throw the football on this team. And the one thing that really stood out, I would say, look, the, the Gilmore pick, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and blast Mac for the, for that play, because it's a bad play. You move on. Right. I mean, there's right. really nothing else to say about it. It was not a good read. It was not a good decision to throw the ball. Once Myers got bumped off the route. And that's that the one that I really look at and say, the ball needs to come out faster here is the strip sack. Cause Brian Burns doesn't get to him. I looked this up next gen stats said that Brian Burns took 3.6 seconds to sack Mac Jones on that strip sack. If that's the case, Assuming that's accurate, that's a lot of time, right? 3.6 seconds is a pretty good amount of time in the NFL in, in the pocket to make a decision with the ball. And that was one of the few times that I've seen Mac lock onto a read. He was he was looking at Jacoby Myers the entire way. And Myers was working on Stephon Gilmore. He had an in-cut and was trying to cut into the middle of the field. Uh, there was no robber help. It was a man-free coverage. And it took Jacoby a long time to get out of the route. Oh, it took him too long, right? He was he was right. too slow to break on, on the route. He was trying to throw a bunch of fakes on Gilmore to get, get rid of Gilmore and took too long. And by the time Mac decided, okay, I, I'm not going to go there, he got hit by Brian Burns. And if you look at the play, right in front of Mac is Brandon Bolden on a little angle route for an easy completion. If he just progresses to that faster, and most of the time, Mac is good at that, right? He's good at recognizing the downfield read isn't there. Let's get to the check down. He's usually pretty good there. But on that particular play, as much as we can lament and talk and discuss about the protection breakdown between Hunter Henry and Isaiah Wynn, the quarterback can make that obsolete by getting rid of the ball a little bit faster there. So I, that's the one nitpick that I'd have of Mac uh, on Sunday that I, I thought was a little bit concerning was was that he was staring down the reads a little bit more than what I've I've seen him do in the past and not progressing all the way now he did get to brandon bolden on the wheel route right so that that's definitely one thing uh that one play where he did get past that right and did move on from that but if i had to look at something that stood out that was like let's hope that this doesn't become a habit it was the fact that he was trying to wait for the big play to develop down the field instead of just taking the easy yards that were right in front of him I want to talk about the running backs um First of all, they're all they're all hurt. You know that that's one that's one thing, right? Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson both in concussion protocol, uh, but they before they you know got concussed had something crazy like ninety percent of the total yards were to backs, right, in the passing game and on the ground. So, what was just your overall feeling on Bolden's performance? Uh, seems like I kind of chalked up the Jets thing to just being the Jets. Right. But now he's done it against another defense in Carolina and uh, Ramondre looked pretty good as well. Yeah. Uh, Bolton looks really good. And yeah, we're going to really find out this week. Right. Because even yeah. if they bring somebody in, that guy's got three days in the system. So we're going to really see what Bolden can do. But yeah, I thought he looked good. He looks much better as a pass protector, which is, which is big. Uh, as for Stevenson, I don't know about you, Evan, that, that screen, the 41 yard screen, yeah, he hit a gear there pulling away that I, I hadn't seen from him. And I, I mentioned that on Twitter and some people brought up the run against Washington. I mean, he kind of got through when he was gone against Washington. Yeah. But 
that top gear he hit against Carolina, where he's still weaving in and out of guys and moving as fast as he is. I, I mean, I hadn't seen that at Oklahoma. And, no. and it's, this isn't bashing him, by the way. This is a player getting better. This is excellent. This is what you want to see. I hadn't seen that gear from him. And to yeah. know it's there, that that brings his potential to a whole nother level. Yeah, the wheel route by Bolden was real nice. Uh, that too, yeah. Th- that might be, is that Mac Jones' best route right now? He is really good at throwing those touch throws outside the numbers. I mean, That's been sure. since camp. Especially if you, you know, if it's a wheel or like a slot fade where he has the bucket to right. throw it into, right? Where you give him a little bit of cushion on the sideline. Not necessarily just like on a straight go down the, down the, the, the boundary, but when you give him that sort of angle to kind of just drop it in there, a really, really good touch thrower in that respect. Bolden went right by Shaq Thompson, like right by him. And Shaq Thompson's a pretty uh, fast player. He's an athletic linebacker. And Bolden went right by him. I thought early on in this game, the Belichick actually talked about this on Monday. They had a tough time getting hat on a hat in the run game. Uh, the Panthers were really using Jeremy Chin essentially as like a fourth linebacker in the box. They had eight guys in there a lot of the time and the Patriots just weren't getting blocker on block on, on defender, right? Hat on hat. And they weren't able to do it. Then I thought McDaniels really did a nice job of opening it up a little bit in the run game by with those toss plays, right? The toss plays made them respect yep. the, the corner a little bit more and respect the outside. And that seemed to open up the inside runs a little bit more as well. But Stevenson on the 41 yarder, just a, a great recognition and, and that formation that they've been using in the, the go-go, right? With the two uh, running backs in the shotgun next to Mac, but kind of, uh, one in front of the other instead of flanking him like you'd normally see out of that. It's really difficult. And I think what happened on that play is, is the Panthers were in man coverage, but with the Patriots had both backs in the backfield and they didn't know who had who, right? They didn't know who had Ramondre and who had Bolden. And that was a, a really difficult sort of formation for a lot of defenses to react to and figure out how we're going to cover both running backs coming out of the backfield. So a nice formation wrinkle that McDaniels has kind of put into the system and uh, both backs can kind of affect it coming out of the backfield. Um, so it, it's, it's a cool formation. It's, it's kind of like a college uh, uh, and the guy at Hawaii I'm blanking on his name is the, is the one that started using it at the college level. And the Patriots actually started using it last year with Cam Newton, uh, but they mostly had Jakob Johnson as like a lead blocker in that. And they still do that. Um, but now they have both running backs in the go-go uh, that can both catch the ball, that can both run the ball and Bolden can block a little bit as a lead blocker. So really effective um, formation for them. And uh, like I said, I-, I thought McDaniels really did a nice job of adapting the play calling in the run game because the Panthers had the inside runs on clamps early on in this game. And the Patriots ended up only running the ball, uh, running for what, like 3.8 yards per carry or something. It wasn't a really overly efficient uh, rushing game. Um, but they were able to get the t- yardage total up there and, and run the ball when they needed to. So uh, all good things there. You you want to up? Oh, did we lose Evan? No, no I'm here. Back. I thought you had something else to say. Uh, well, do you want a little breaking news? Sure. Little breaking news. Not, uh, not, Odell, not Odell size breaking news. It, it, well, it is Odell related. Okay. But uh, Jordan Schultz from a number of things. Yeah, uh, he he uh, he had the report earlier that Odell Beckham had prioritized the Packers as his number one destination. So this is from him a minute ago. Update on the Odell Beckham Jr. situation. OBJ's oh. team has also so he quoted his tweet about the Packers. So the Packers are included in here has also had conversations with the Chiefs, 
Saints, and Patriots, sources say. So we now have Packers, Saints, Chiefs, Patriots. Those feel like they should be the top four. I can see Vegas as kind of a sleeper. Maybe if you want to make it a top five, round it out. But um, so that's you've had that. Not not to like take away from your report, but I'm just saying now we've heard it from Schultz. We've heard it from you. Tom Curran essentially hinted at it. Mike Giardi essentially hinted at it. It it really does. The Patriots are talking to him. It does sound like if he wants New England, the door's open. The contract's there. There's a spot on the roster for him. The ball's in his court. But it does feel like the the invitation has at least informally been extended to him. So the question, I've been told basically at this point that people, and I think just with Giardi and and Curran also kind of reporting this along, more or less saying it, like you said, right? People in the building in New England are are all in on Odell coming here, right? I think the concern that you would have is when you're going up against Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers in the suite, like, is Mac Jones enough, right? Is Matt, is Mac Jones shown Odell enough right. and his camp enough to say that we would still go to New England over playing with Mahomes or Wilson or Rogers. That's the, that's, I think the bigger problem here for the Patriots. I I guess the point I'm trying to make is, and I see it in the chat, please bill. Right. Right. You know, if, if he doesn't sign here, this isn't about the Patriots didn't want him. I don't want to see people in the chat on Thursday bitching. Why didn't they sign Odell? They need Odell. They want him. They are trying to sign him. They can't force him to come here. He has to ultimately choose the Patriots. I'm not saying the Patriots are a bad option. This isn't me saying, you know, because I know this was a narrative. Oh, Brady left and players don't want to play here and players hate Bill. Like, that's not what this is. Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are two top five quarterbacks. Mac Jones has been great. He's not there yet. There's really attractive options on the table for Beckham. I don't think the Patriots are out of it. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes here, but I just think at this point, the ball is in his court. I, I truly believe the offer has been extended. They think he would help the team. They want him. They are trying to get him. Now it's, well, let's see if they do. I, I don't think this is a matter of them not wanting him. I don't think it's a matter of them thinking he's not good, that they can get by without him. They want to add him. It really feels like that. So I just, I, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see, oh, they should have signed Odell. They know they should sign Odell. It's yeah. pretty clear at this point. They know they should sign Odell. He just has to agree to come here. That to me is, is you know, it's on him at this point. It's up to him. Yeah. So the last thing I, I had on my list of things actually relates to Odell. So uh, we, we can go into it at some point in time. And look, I, I love Jacoby Myers' story, right? I, I love Jacoby Myers' story. But at some point in time, we might have a tough need to have a tough conversation about Jacoby Myers because, well, first of all, this was not a good game for him against Carolina, right? I mean, no. he, has, he has the bobble play on third down where Mac throws him past the sticks and he bobbles it and gets tackled a yard short. I mentioned on the, the fumble, the strip sack by Brian Burns, that it was Myers that couldn't get open on the route that was taking too long, forced Mac to hold the ball in the pocket. The problem that I see with him is not that he's not an NFL receiver. He's an NFL receiver, right? And he can be an NFL receiver. Uh, the problem that I see with him is that he doesn't have enough speed into his routes, right? His stems are slow and he doesn't get into the top of the route fast enough. And it takes a while for him to get through the route, 
right? And he's quick at the top of it, but it takes a while for him to get to that phase of the route, and it forces the quarterback to hold the ball a little bit longer than you probably would want. And at that point, I think it's fair to start to to question or or think about is Jacoby Myers really the best that they can do as the primary Z receiver, right? He's definitely an NFL receiver. He definitely belongs in this in this offense and on this team. But is he the long term number one, number two type of option in this offense, or do they really need to look to upgrade that? And that's part of the reason why I think they should be so all in on, on Odell is because I think he would really uh, give them a, a different element than what Myers can offer them. Yeah. But again, we've t- I, like I said, I'm not making Odell a part of long-term plans. I agree with Fair you enough. in that. I think Myers is a guy they can upgrade, but this yeah. is just, this is just, we got eight games left. We're trying to make a playoff push. Let's add a good player. Like, even if Myers was balling out, I'd still say they should add him. Like, this is this is not a long-term thing. There's, we're still going to talk about wide receiver. We should still be talking yeah. about wide receiver as one of the biggest needs. And as much as I love Odell for eight games, he's not going to sign a one-year deal in the offseason. He's going to be looking for that multi-year deal, get his last big contract. I'm not signing a 30-year-old receiver with a history of knee problems and butting heads with quarterbacks to a long-term contract. So I I think it's two separate conversations. I like Odell for eight games. He's obviously an upgrade over Jacoby Myers, but he's not the long-term answer to that problem. Fair enough. I, I just think that we all get caught up in, and love Jacoby Myers because he's someone that has done it all the right way, right? The undrafted guy that worked his butt off to get on the team and carve out a role. He was really, really productive last year. He's an NFL receiver. All those things are, are, are true. Uh, but at some point in time, you need somebody that's a little bit more explosive, I think, in that role. Well, and I, somebody look, that's a little I, faster and better after the catch. Right. I'd put it this way. I, I think, like you said, he's an NFL receiver. He can contribute, but he can't be it. And Kendrick Bourne's coming on right now and he's kind of helping, but right now it kind yeah. of feels like Jacoby Myers is it. They're not getting a ton from Nelson Angler. Yeah. And Nikhil, no, I, no. I don't know what the deal is with Nikhil. I, when I saw he's getting like a 40% usage rate, my jaw dropped. It does not feel like that. So, you know, they, they, again, I like Jacoby, but you got to put pieces around him. He's not, he can't be the guy. He can be a guy. Certainly. And and like you said, I mean, he's an NFL receiver and I think he gives you some unique things with some of the trick plays you can run with him that, that make the offense really difficult to defend. Yeah. But you, you need to, you need to upgrade around him specifically Aguilar. Like they just, they need to be better in that spot and back Aguilar, up again. Back up does it for eight running games. Sprints. He's running wind sprints. Right. And you didn't look it, it, that role that serves a purpose, right? Clearing out space, taking coverage with you down the field, offering some sort of outside one-on-one type of threat serves a purpose. But in this game, he got a lot of Dante Jackson and he was blanketed pretty much the entire game by Jackson. who's a good corner, but at the same time, you didn't pay a guy $13 million to, to run wind sprints. Right. And, and I guess you can sort of, you can go out and go about it away and say, okay, well, if, it's Demir Bird out there instead of Nelson Aguilar. Then is he really getting Dante Jackson? And is he really getting the safety over the top? And like maybe Aguilar's, uh, I guess, reputation or 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 status or whatever, it adds some more gravity, right? Some some more right. gravity to the coverage. But at the same time, thirteen million dollars is a lot of money for a guy to just run in a straight line every single game, right? Well, it, it, it just I, I, I mean, you want some context here? 
Yeah, sure. Nelson Aguilar, based on what he's done so far this season, 22, 335, two touchdowns. Yeah. 16 game average for that. 40 catches, 600 yards. 40 catches, 600 yards. Jameer Burr last, Jameer Bird last year. Yeah. 47 catches, 600 yards. He's actually, I, I, I'm rounding a bit. His 16 game pace in terms of catches and yards is below what Bird did last year. It's about the same, but it's slightly below. He's ahead yeah. of pace on touchdowns, but. You're you're basically getting Demir Bird level production from a guy you're paying what seven eight times what you paid Bird. Right. So the question is, and, and I you'd have to really and again. Go, I don't want to keep dumping on Demir Bird. I actually really like Demir yeah. Bird. I thought for a second he caught that game winning touchdown pass last night. I jumped out of my chair. I legitimately like Demir Bird as a football player and a person. But this is just the point of reference. Right. So the question is is is. Aguilar's status as a $13 million receiver that had a good year last year with the Raiders and all, all this kind of stuff, his reputation, is that good enough? Is that gravity? Is that defense is respecting his speed over the top? Is that worth a little bit more money? It's it's definitely worth a little bit more money, but I think we can definitely have a long talk about it being worth $13 million, right? I mean, right. That, there, there's a there's a middle ground there, right? Where it's, He's worth more than Demir Bird because he's drawing more coverage than Demir Bird and he's drawing the number one guy and all that kind of stuff. But he's certainly not worth 10 times more than Demir Bird is at the moment. So we'll see what happens with this Patriots receiving core. We'll see what happens if Odell Beckham Jr. makes a decision. In the next couple of days, Alex and I will have you covered. Uh, we'll probably try to go live immediately if uh, Odell Beckham does sign with the Patriots uh, here on Patriots press pass, Alex, we hope it will be you, but if it, you have uh, 985 obligations, then we will be live anyways. Right. But we're going to try to do it oh, with Alex. Go ahead. I, I already have, if he does sign, I already wrote it. So I just got a copy <laughs> there and, we paste go. and fill in a couple of blanks and yeah, it's a little look behind the scenes of how we do this, but yeah, make sure, Hey, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube Hit that yes. bell icon. You'll get notified as soon as we go live. So, you, yes. you know, you'll jump right in. You'll see our initial, initial reactions. Follow us on Twitter as well. These stream on our Twitter accounts. Good and there's, Jesus. You know, right, right here. And Evan's over there. And, um, if you know, turn the notifications on for that too. Because, you know, like you said, we'll go. We'll try to go right away. But the only way you can get it right from the beginning is if you're getting that push notification on your phone. So that's how you do that. 110%. So, like I said, we will go live Almost instantaneously, if the Patriots sign Odell oh, Beckham, I it depends. It depends if I'm wearing a shirt when they sign him or not. It might take a minute or two. <laughs> I, I hope you're wearing pants when they sign him or not, Alex. I, well, I'll be wearing them when I find out. The question is, will they st will they still be on when we start the show? But we only film from here off, so it won't matter. <laughs> you, you, you catch a break there. Uh, <laughs> if not, either way, uh, we will be on Friday. Uh, previewing this matchup against the Cleveland Browns out. So just, we, we should, it's all the fun games to talk about Odell, right? It's very exciting, right. but the Browns are a very, very good football team. That's going to be a fun game. Absolutely blew the doors off of the Cincinnati Bengals last week. Great pass rush. Miles Garrett might be one of the best players in football, just taking the position out of it. He's like, maybe the best player in the entire NFL right now. So he's an absolute force. Uh, their offense can run the football. We'll see what running backs the Patriots have available and what running backs the Browns have available in this game. But it doesn't really seem to matter for Cleveland. Dearness Johnson ran for over 100 yards uh, behind this offensive line. AAF legend. 
So great scheme on the uh, Cleveland Browns run game. Great O-line. Uh, doesn't really matter if it's Hunt or Chubb or Dearness. That's a dangerous running game. The Patriots run defense. Good, not great right now. So I'm really interested to see when it, you we know sitting in the press box and the fans, 65,000 fans in the stands and the Browns and the Patriots know the Browns are running the football. Can the Patriots stop it? Right. When everybody in the world knows the back is getting the football, I uh, can new England put the beef on the field and get the job done against the run. We will find out on Sunday against Cleveland and we'll see if Mac Jones uh, can take down a pretty good Browns defense as well. So yeah. Alex and I was a preview Browns Patriots on Friday afternoon. We will uh, keep you updated uh, all week long on the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes as well. But until then, signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody.